Hey, tennis fans, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. And our thanks go out to 10XTO, the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada. We are now into day six from the grounds of the National Bank Open, presented by Rogers, into our semifinals and finals weekend. Another special guest on this week's episode. She's not in the draw anymore, but solid top five player, top three, uh, number three in the world, Maria Sakari had a, a chance to join you, Mike. Yeah, having uh, Maria on the podcast was pretty cool, being that she's a uh, pretty solid top 10 presence right now. And I mean, if only we could always have our interviews that we record a little earlier in the week, head to the semifinals or beyond, <laughs> if only there was that assurance that those players would uh, would go deep. But I want to mention, do you remember a year ago when we were covering both the events in Montreal and Toronto, kind of virtually, how it seemed like the players we talked to ended up always losing after they <laughs> yeah. came on Matchpoint Canada to the point That's that true. we had someone pointing it out to us on Twitter like please don't talk to the following player because we don't want you to jinx them mm-hmm. uh I I I don't know that that's happened this year. I mean, obviously, no. we have we'll have the conversation with Halep. Yulia Putin-Seva had a nice run to the quarterfinals, although we spoke to her in the middle of the tournament. So uh, we've alleviated the jinx. And uh, Zachary, you know, she did she did come through her first match, lost a tough three-setter to Karolina Pliskova, who is still in the tournament, and uh, world number three. And obviously, I, I think, pushing for even more in her career. Yeah, she had such a strong 2021, and I kind of put her in with that group of players like Annette Contevate and Paula Bedosa, who were so solid last year, so incredible last year, all of them making the WTA finals at the end of the year, and not really quite able to replicate it as solidly in 2022. There hasn't been that um, consistency this year that we saw from them last year. Um, for Zachary, there's been some some solid results, but to me, playing more like top 10 to 20 balls since the Indian Wells final rather than top 10. And I caught some of that match against Pliskova and um, the, the ace queen almost took her out in two sets real quick. Um, if not for some second set sort of heroics to get back in it from Zachary, but then didn't have it in the third either, especially on her serve. Um, but yeah, I just don't see it quite as strong as I did a year ago. Yeah, I, I think she's uh, searching for her game, and I believe she acknowledged that in pre-tournament press conference that she uh, had not been satisf- satisfied looking for uh, a change in some of her results. Uh, we'll see if it continues to happen in Cincinnati ahead of the U.S. Open, but let's listen to Mike's conversation uh, with Maria Sakkari. Happy to be joined right now by the number three player in the world, Maria Sakkari. Quite a jump from the last time you were here in Toronto in 2019. What are the changes that you've made that have allowed you to bring your game to this next level in that time? Um, well, I think pretty much, you know, I've changed my entire game, uh, the entire way that I'm thinking on the court, you know, the way I'm speaking to myself. Um, just, you know, I, I believe and I feel like a different person right now um, inside the court since, you know, the last time I was here. And, you know, a lot of things happened in my career, good things and bad things, and I'm just very grateful. Is there a particular tournament or match where you felt it gave you that added confidence to be able to believe that you could bring your game into the top five in the world? Obviously, you know, um, taking the, the my first step, you know, my first step was uh, the French Open last year, and then just um, the US Open, I think, was the key, and uh, the moment where I th- I felt like I belonged there and I belonged to the top 10. Um, obviously, you know, making the finals as well was a ber- very big thing for me. And, 
it's just you know the I think the second half of the season last year was um, was a when break. you're back home in Greece is it difficult for you to go out in public now without getting swarmed by fans and people who recognize you um, yeah it's different I have to say to how it was before uh, obviously they you know people recognize me and I'm it's not easy for me to go to certain places but I I you know I'm just Everyone has something good to say about it, and it's not like they are bothering me or anything. It's just that I receive a lot of love, which is very nice. And, you know, I appreciate that I'm getting to the point where, you know, I can, no matter where I go, I, I have people that coming up to me, and they, they're very nice, you know. They're just, they have something very nice to say. Toronto has a very big Greek population. I'm not sure if you're aware or not, if you've felt that support in the past. In terms of other tournaments throughout the year away from home, do you feel like here in Canada you get an, an extra level of Greek support? I would say that here in Toronto and in Australia as well, um, because they do have over there a very large Greek community as well. But it's great, you know, because I've seen um, I've seen how they supported Stefanos in the past, and you know, I'm just very excited, you know, to be becoming here as one of the top players and giving you know, given the chance that I can play in, in the stadium court, that I think that. You know, I'm going to receive a, a lot of support. It's a safe me. bet that all your matches will be on there. Uh, speaking of here in Toronto, are you the kind of player that likes to look at the draw, look ahead at the draw? You've got that first round bye, and then you're going to face the winner between Sloane Stevens or Sophia Kennan, which is a heck of a way to start a tournament. Do you like to look at the draw, and what's your take, if so, on, on what you see here in Toronto? I'll be deadly honest that I've only seen who I'm playing, you know, the se in the second round. I know that it's one of the two players you mentioned, and... I believe it's you know a very tough match no matter who wins uh, to you know Grand Slam champions and uh, but you know as I said I'm just very excited to be here and uh, sometimes you know having a tough opening match it's it's a good thing it's just you are <laughs> you get yourself more into the tournament and it's um, it always My works last well for me. For you is they're doing a really great initiative here in Toronto called Mental Timeout to focus on the uh, mental aspect of the game and support of the players. Fans are writing in, for those who aren't familiar, little comments of support. And I know you were reading through a few earlier, I think, with Nick McCarville. Were there any there in particular that really, you know, struck a chord with you in a positive way? Obviously, the fact that, you know, we are receiving um, letters and cards and postcards from fans, it's, it's you know, very unique and very, uh, very unique feeling because it's, um, it's very nice and it kind of, kind of like boosts our confidence because it's... Um, you see that what you're doing it inspires other people and you always get that positivity from them which is something that you know we need because we're on the road all the time um you know we have good emotions and bad emotions as well but it's um yeah it's always great to to feel that way well i'm sure you're going to inspire a lot of kids this week watching you good luck all the best and, and thanks for taking the time thank you there you have it, Mike's interview with uh, Maria Zachary, who's now on to Cincinnati, and we here are on to the semifinals at the National Bank Open. Should mention, we still have a Canadian left, the only Canadian left in the field, singles or doubles, either in Toronto or Montreal, and it's always the reliable Gabby Dabrowski. Yeah, Gabby's like making a statement, not that I'm certain she's out to make a statement but uh, <laughs> the statement being when it comes to Canadian tennis players she is the most reliable consistent one that we have um, I watched some of that match I believe you caught some of that match too and uh, on the grandstand so the doubles progressing to the bigger stage 
um, going to be on center court for the semifinals uh, Saturday evening in the second match. So that's nice that she's going to get a more prominent place because doubles really um, deserves it. And, uh, and I feel like doubles needs it. And when you've got a Canadian this deep in a draw, especially give them that place of prominence. Uh, this one was an interesting one in her quarterfinal match after dropping the first set 6-2. Her and Juliana almost flipped the script, took the second set by that score 6-2 themselves before 10-0 in the champions tiebreak. And I can't remember ever seeing <laughs> one of those third set super tiebreaks being such a route where you shut out your opponents like that. I don't think I've ever seen a 10-0. Uh, that's domination, especially in doubles, where you, you kind of just naturally assume there's going to be a f a, at least a few free points that go the way of the serving team at, at certain opportunities. Uh, but uh, Dabrowski almost just completely taking over after dropping that first set. That's very impressive. They get uh, Perez and uh, Nicole Melikar-Martinez in the semifinal. That'll be on Sobe Stadium, second night session. And if you can stick around this one I don't think will be an incredibly late night because actually our first semifinal is starting at six o'clock and then doubles moves pretty quickly and then you have the 10 point breaker instead of a full third set that's right and and wouldn't it be something if Gabby made the finals again in back-to-back -back years doing it and winning it in Montreal last year if she could do it here in Toronto as well would be would be something else for her and uh, with two different partners as well because a year ago it was with uh Luisa Stefani, and this year with Juliana almost. So you kind of see that you could throw Gabby out there with just about, well, I shouldn't say just about anybody. She's out there with some pretty established doubles players, but nonetheless, just showing her versatility and uh, and really what we've known for years now that she's a premier uh, doubles player on the WTI. Yeah, certainly. Uh, we should touch on the singles. Of course, Simona Halep continuing her charge uh, in this field, getting a straight sets win over Coco Goff, which uh, was tougher than a couple of their previous encounters. But again, straight sets for Halep over Goff. She's now 4-0 and in that head-to-head and has won all eight of the sets. Uh, so that's interesting how that matchup has leaned the way of Simona, and she'll have a chance to reach the final here in Canada for the fourth time in her career when she meets uh, Jessica Pagula. Yeah, we spoke about that earlier this week when we had her on the podcast, how comfortable she is playing in, com in, in comfortable, how comfortable mm -hmm. she is playing in Montreal with the two wins in, in that city, in Montreal, and also... Um, making the finals in Toronto a few years ago. So she's got that experience and success in, in both both draws, both cities. Um, the, the matchup for Goff, I think, is just a little bit tougher um, because of some of the similarities between them. And and Goff's two first matches, or, or her big wins against Rabakina and Sabalenka, both two big, powerful players with big serves. Uh, this one, just a different dynamic for her and couldn't seem to find her rhythm uh, really much at all, except for extending that second set a little bit yesterday. Yeah, look, they're both uh, counter punchers who move incredibly well, cover the court incredibly well. And uh, I think Halep sort of at times was able to lull Coco into trying to hit through her. And we know how well Simona moves. Uh, two of the best movers, I think, uh, on the women's tour, without a doubt. Yeah, go ahead. And also, uh, I just want to mention before we move past that one, Patrick Muradoglu in the crowd for the first yes. time all week. Um, her, I guess we can still call him the new coach. And, uh, and the coach that's had such an impact on her, as she mentioned, reigniting that fire and passion for the sport at the age of 30. Uh, I thought it kind of interesting that he was there, given he's had such a hand in the development and support of Coco Goff as well in recent years. Uh, and he was wearing that Murata Glue Academy shirt. And I thought, oh, this is kind of awkward for him, maybe <laughs> being in the camp of both players. But he was mm -hmm. given a, a healthy round of applause, obviously, for his official 
uh, charge and Simona Halep after her win there. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, he hopped into the press conference after. It was kind of amusing. Max Gow started asking uh, a question about Moradoglu's influence on Simona's game, and the question started to occur literally as he walked into the room. Uh, so there were some smiles when that was happening. Nice uh, Hal- yeah, that was funny. Uh, Halep will take on the American Jessica Pagula, who, credit to her, defending her semifinals points uh, from last year. She re- uh, reached the semis in Montreal, played a really clean match, uh, taking out Putin save a six. 6-3 and interestingly enough this will be the first time uh these two players have met other semifinal Beatrice Haddad Maya against Karolina Pliskova Haddad Maya uh, continuing the Cinderella run here in Toronto uh after of course taking out world number one Iga Sviantek now she beats Belinda Bencic and I must say this was a surprise to me I thought with the form we saw from Bencic she'd have a, a legitimate shot at a title yeah, same here, and especially Benchage has such great memories from Toronto, being that this was her breakout tournament back in 2015. She had been looking so great this tournament as well, the Swiss player, aside from taking out uh, Serena Williams, which I think was expected under the circumstances. But Benchage also took out Muguruza 6-1, 6-3, uh, had yet to drop a set in the tournament, and took the opening set against the Brazilian as well before things got turned around in favor of Haddad Maya. So uh, the draw here has taken a few uh, interesting twists and turns, not nearly as much so as the men's draw in Montreal, which is just a complete um, <laughs> shocker in, in almost every sense there. I mean, my bracket challenge in Montreal, and I feel like everybody's, unless you're related to to some of these semifinalists, is, <laughs> uh, is completely unexpected. Here we've got Halep and Pliskova, who are two established top 10 players over the last you know, good stretch of years, but uh, Dad Maya and and I should say Pagula's had a really good consistent time too. She kind of quietly yeah. went through the draw here as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, she's from Buffalo, which is close to Toronto, so maybe this almost feels like a home tournament for her. But yeah, Dad Maya, the surprise of the tournament, and I've got family in Brazil actually right now who moved there recently, so. They may have to come back and watch this match if she makes it to the finals. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, quite a story. And uh, Karolina Pliskova, who will be her opponent, she defeated Zhang Xinwen late into the night. That match wrapped uh, 12-10 Eastern time. A topsy-turvy affair. Pliskova coming through 4-6-6-4-6-4. A lot of twists and turns in this match. Uh, neither player could kind of get a stranglehold on their opponent before Pliskova crossed, uh, crossed the finish line there. Uh, of course, she's a former world world number one i suppose uh it's it's her and halep who have the most pedigree of the four players left in this draw pedigree yes but in terms of uh, play in 2022 plishka has it been anything but what we've come to expect mm. from her she only went three and three on grass earlier this summer and for somebody known as the ace queen that's quite surprising um her overall record this year isn't too impressive either but here she is kind of getting back on track and and again you know some players just have a tendency of of playing well in our country. She's made the quarters in Toronto a couple times. This is her first time in the semis, but finals last year in Montreal. Yep. So it, it looks like a lot of the players that have points to defend from last year are finding a way to do that in the women's draw. Yeah, yeah. Other than, uh, I suppose, Camila Georgi had the ex- exit to uh, Jessica Pagula. Uh, you just touched on Montreal. We should mention uh, Felix Ojealiasim. I was pretty hopeful of him potentially making a run, especially after the way he played against Cameron Norrie, but Casper Ruud uh, defeating FAA. Uh, that's not a shock to me. The scoreline was a shock. 6-2, 6-1, and definitely uh, the worst performance uh, for Felix this season. Uh, quite surprising. 
yeah, I was on the radio, local radio here yesterday, and they were asking me about it, saying, oh, wasn't Felix such a big favorite? I said, well, I didn't consider him the favorite. I mean, he's up against Casper Ruud, who's been, uh, you know, super consistent and has had a few bigger results thus far in his young career, I would say, especially in the Masters 1000s. Uh, playing at home can work both ways, right? It can give you that extra support and encouragement like Felix, uh, you know, had throughout the tournament to this point in his hometown of Montreal, but it can also put on added pressure. And I wonder if that was partly the case today, or sorry, yesterday, in terms of the scoreline there, which was very surprising, because that scoreline is going to sting for him. That's going to be a tough loss, I feel like, to get over for a little while, and, and certainly a tough one for the home crowd to have to watch as well, hoping that they might get him, you know, onto the finals with their support. Yeah, hopefully he can uh, brush this one off very, very quickly because he will be in the field in Cincinnati. Very strange semifinal matchups that we have in Montreal. I'll just mentioned her catch against Casper Ruda. I think that's a great semifinal. The other one is a shocker, Dan Evans, into the semifinal, and he will play Pablo Carreño Busta. Uh, I mentioned Cincinnati, and the draws are already out, and... Already fireworks, uh, particularly, let's stay on the women's side. I haven't really had a chance to look at the men's draw, but on the women's side, some major fireworks. We know Bianca Andrescu is going to face Camila Giorgi, which is quite an interesting match. Uh, Leila Annie Fernandez has her first match uh, against Ekaterina Alexandrova. And this one uh, was making the round. Serena Williams, her first round match against last year's U.S. Open champion, Emma Raducanu. Yeah, so those are the three ones that uh, my eyes uh, got drawn to right away. Bianca against Georgie, that's going to be a, a tough one. That's not an easy way to start your tournament whatsoever. Georgie doesn't let you get comfortable out there with her blasting away at every ball. Uh, the winner between those two gets Jessica Pagula. So again, you know, these WTA draws right from the get-go, as we saw here in Toronto, are so strong. Uh, Leila Annie Fernandez, Alexandrova, you said, and uh, potentially Naomi Osaka next. So for the two Canadians going to be a tough one in Cincinnati as they prepare for the U.S. Open and the Serena Raducanu match. Uh, I actually like it if I'm a Serena fan because Raducanu, not super experienced, um, feels a lot of pressure. She was kind of isolated in Toronto in terms of not wanting to do any extra press. I think she's feeling um, that added pressure uh, from the media, especially her hometown media uh, in the U.K., who are probably all going to be expecting her to roll Serena, but it doesn't quite work that way. You've got to go out there and fight through it and earn it. And for a young player up against someone who's, you know, they've grown up watching Serena's always been there since Emma's been, been born uh, as is the case with so many young players on the WTA that Serena's always been a professional tennis player in their lives. Uh, this is not going to be an easy one for Emma. I could see Serena taking this match. Yeah, also just the atmosphere going entering into that stadium, I think will be difficult for Emma, knowing uh, the entire crowd's going to have Serena's back, of course, uh, saying goodbye. The match is in the United States. She's going to have immense, immense support. So it's a, a tough environment to compete in. Uh, we'll see what happens in that match. We should mention before we go, we do have one last copy of Bianca Andrescu's book, BB's Got Game. And uh, this is a special giveaway to a listener who will be on site uh, today for the semifinals. Is that right? Yeah. So if you're going to be there, please uh, retweet our episode on Twitter. Share it on Instagram to, to enter. We've had a few of these books to give away, but this is our final one. 
There you go. And uh, it will go to someone who is on the grounds of the MBO. It reshares our episode. If you win, we'll have a chance to uh, bring that over to you. Our thanks once again to 10XTO, the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada for this episode. Guys, we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>